Welcome to Windsor Christian Fellowship Church Podcast. Our church vision is to win generations to Christ, connect them to His master plan, empower them to succeed, and grow the kingdom of God. For other podcast resources or more information about Windsor Christian Fellowship, please visit us at www.wcf.ca. Um, in Psalm 139, it talks about how we were formed in our mother's room. But the part of it I really want to um, read this morning or just re- go over again is every day of my life was recorded in your book. God has a book and he's writing in the book. He's writing our story. Every moment was laid out before a single day. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God. They cannot be numbered. So God has a book and he's written your story. He's written what you were put on earth for. And the worst thing that could happen is if you could die and go before God and never fulfill your story. Never become who he meant you to be. Do what he's called you to do. And so Uh, We want to fulfill our story. And, you know, I look at it this way. If God wrote it down, we should be writing it down. How many did your homework last week? Okay, not a lot of you. Well, actually, probably close to half. You need to do it. It's important because if you want to fulfill and discover what you may think, well, I already know what God's called me to do. I was at a season in my life where I thought I knew what God was called me to do, but I wasn't there yet. I wasn't where God really wanted me yet. I thought I was, but he had more. And so it's important that you, you should all have a journal and you should all call it my story. And I'm going to give you lots of things to put in that journal today. So you need to get a journal. You need to get a book set aside for your story. And so the first thing you need to write in it is all of the qualities that you possess. And that was the homework assignment from last week. And so if you weren't here last week, you have that assignment now. And it's important that you know the good things about you. And so we're going to continue on, though, on how to refine that because we need lots of things. Now, everything, everything God does relating to our purpose and our story revolves around first loving him and then loving others. So what we are called to do fits in with that. Now, God has an order. It's important that we love him first because we can't love others unless we love him first. We can't truly love others. We can love people, but our love is limited. And uh, we can't love them the way God wants us to love them. And when we love God and we love him first, then everything else falls into place in our lives. That's the foundation of our life. And if we're not on the right foundation, then our life will not come together the way it should. So God made us to love him And to love others. And he also desires us to uh, be conformed into his image. To become like him. And to be ministers of reconciliation. And we talked about that last week. How every one of us is called to win people to Christ. And our calling in life or our purpose in life is twofold. Again, I'm recapping still. Uh, It's twofold in that we're all called to do something for the kingdom of God. So we're all called to be ministers of reconciliation. That's part of that calling. Where we're called to win people to the Lord. We're called to be a light in the darkness. We're called to reveal God's character to people, to let people know what he's done in our lives. We all, have, uh, we all have that as part of our lives, as well as doing something to build the kingdom of God, you know, being in a local community, like a church, and, and doing something for God's kingdom. But then there's also another part to society that God desires to have fulfilled, and that is all the aspects we need in order to live life. So how many know we need an educa- education system? We need government. We need uh, entertainment. We need... Um, you know, financial institutions, we need um, medical, we need all kinds of things. Um, and so 
every part of society has to be filled by somebody. And so God has called people to different positions and different places in society so that we can function as a society. So there's the, the spiritual things, the spiritual side, the kingdom of God, which is the eternal realm and what God wants to do in the big picture for earth, but also the practical everyday functioning of the earth. And so we're all called to fill something in both. And we need to know that. And so we want to know what it is we're called to do. And so that's where we're going to get into some practical things. But what I want to say before I get into getting into the detail of that, as I want to read in Habakkuk, and this is again bringing it back to writing it down. It's important that we spend time with God, and whatever we hear him say, we record it, and um, if he tells us things. Because God will speak to us about our calling, just like Brooklyn shared this morning that she heard Jesus say that she was going to sing for him. That was something that she obviously heard from God because it burned in her heart. It never left her. It was a defining moment in her life. And even though she wasn't able to sing in the natural, and she was born into a family of singers, and she was the one that didn't have the gift in the natural. But God, you know, he's tricky sometimes. He likes to surprise us, and he likes to show off. You know, he likes to take somebody that's not good at something and prove, you know, what he can do. Because, uh, you know, when we depend on our own ability all the time, not that he won't use your gifts, he will. And, you know, the norm is that you will be gifted. But, but you can also have a passion and a word from God to do something that's so strong, so clear, that you won't let anything stop you. You'll work at it and work at it and work at it until you do it. And, and then, then you'll become gifted, you know, because you're so passionate about it. But the difference is, like I used to watch uh, American Idol. And especially the auditions were very entertaining. And um, some people would get on there and they would not know how to sing at all. And they thought they could sing, but they couldn't sing. And they were what I call deceived. But, um, <laughs> but they weren't singing for God. They, weren't, they didn't have a word from God. They weren't singing from God. They were singing out of a, usually a selfish motive of, I want to be rich and famous. I want to be a big name. I want to be... So that's not a good motive. That's not usually what should lead or guide you into what your destiny or purpose is. But Brooklyn's motive was pure. She loved Jesus and wanted to sing for Jesus. And she didn't care, you know, about what that did in her life, where that brought her or didn't bring her. She was just going to do it because she wanted to sing for Jesus. And so there's a big difference. Motives of the heart is key. So as you're fasting and praying and seeking God, write down things he tells you. But the Bible says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. So your desires will be birthed out of your worshiping in him and your fellowship with him. And then he'll purify those desires and make it clear. Now Habakkuk I'm going to read, this is talking about writing a vision down and running with it. And Habakkuk saw um, the world was in a mess. But, and he decided to seek God because he was frustrated with what was going on around him. In Habakkuk 2, verse 1 to 3, he says, I will climb up to my watchtower and stand at my guard post. Basically, he's saying, I'm going to go up and pray and I'm going to intercede. That's basically what he was saying. There I will wait to see what the Lord says and how he will answer my complaints. So basically he says, I'm going to be going to God. I'm going to be praying and I'm going to let God know what I think about what's going on in this world. But I'm going to wait and see what God says about it. That's what he's saying. And then he says... What, li um, what lies ahead for the Babylonians? Because the Babylonians were the issue at the time. It says, then the Lord said to me, 
write my answer plainly on tablets. So God didn't just say, I'm going to speak to you, just remember what I said. He said, no, write it down so that you can understand what I'm saying. Write it down. Right? That's why you need a journal on your life story. You need to write it down, what God says to you. And then he says, so that a runner can carry the correct message to others, so that you'll have the message straight. You'll have something you can go back to, something that you can lean on, something that you can see clearly, and that when you see it, you can run with it, and others will run with you. Others will run with you, because God never calls anybody to do something alone. And then he said, the vision is for a future time. It describes the end, and it will be fulfilled. So in other words, it's not going to happen overnight. It's going gonna, it's gonna to happen down the road. It's going to take time. There's a specific time for it. So just, you know, trust in that. It may seem slow in coming. Wait patiently. It's not going to happen overnight. You can do everything that we're talking about and all the homework and all the assignments, and I'm going to be giving you more today for your journal on your life that you're going to do. Um, and you can do that, and, but you may not see clearly what it is right away. Some things you will see clearly. Some things you won't know for sure yet. But you still need to write it down. And know and be patient for it to come to pass. For it will surely take place and it will not be delayed. Now what was it that brought Habakkuk to that place of going and seeking God and pressing into him to, to the point where he says, I'm going to stay there till I hear from God. And, and if we go back to the chapter ahead of Habakkuk 2 to chapter 1, it talks about the, the this concerns that he had. It says, uh, how long, O Lord, must I call for help? But you don't listen. Violence is everywhere, I cry, but you don't come to save. Must I forever see these evil deeds? Why must I watch all this misery? Wherever I look, I see destruction and violence, and I'm surrounded by people who love to argue and fight. How many can relate to that in our world? And then he goes on, in verse 4, he says, the law has become paralyzed. In other words, there's lawlessness. There's no justice in the courts. The wicked far outnumber the righteous so that justice has become perverted. How many can relate to what he was, the situation that he was in at the time? You know, that's, one of, that's why we're calling the fast, because the world's a mess, we can sit and do nothing, but the Bible says we are the light of the world. We are the salt of the earth. We are called to make a difference. We are called to do something. We are called to step out of our comfort zone and make an impact and make a change on our nation. God's going to call different people to rise up and do different things. And it's not always going to be easy. It's not going to be comfortable, but it's going to be something that's going to impact because we have children and we have grandchildren that are depending on us to take up the stand, take up the torch, do whatever it is we're we're supposed to do so that we can change this world. One of the reasons the world's in a mess is because the church has been very apathetic. And I'm talking all the church around the world, really. It's so important that we get this. See, it could be overwhelming. I just want to read one more verse in Habakkuk, um, uh, verse 5. It says, The Lord replied, so God answered, Look around at the nations. Look around. Look around at what's going on. Look and be amazed, for I am doing something in your own day, something you wouldn't believe, even if someone told you about it. So in other words, he told Habakkuk, look around what you see, but I'm doing something. You won't believe what I'm going to do. 
You won't believe what I'm going to do. But you got to see it. you got to see it. And you have a part in it. Now, how do we find that part? It can be overwhelming when you see the needs. There, I mean, you just have to listen to all the things going on in this world, and it's overwhelming. There's something happening almost, well, daily, really, of areas that you can jump on board and help or make a difference. But you can't jump on board and help in every single thing. But there are certain things God is calling you to do, and that's why it's important to press into God so that you do the things he wants you to do. And there are so many things. And, uh, you know, he's not going to just say do one thing. He'll, he'll have you do multiple things. But you will make a difference in whatever it is you're called to do. But there will be eventually one thing that will emerge as what you're called to do. So don't allow being overwhelmed. Don't allow the needs that seem to be so great to make you draw back and think, it's just too much, I don't know where to start, so I'm not going to do anything. Because that's what a lot of people do. They just think, I, I can't do it, you know, because you hear so many things going on. And, uh, but what you do need to do, and I shared this last week, is do what you can do. Start with what you have and what you are able to do and what really comes onto your heart. Now, if you did your homework, I'm going to tell you to take that list that you were supposed to, to make, the list that has all different characteristics or gifts or things that you do well or things about you that are good. Okay, you need to have that list. And uh, then you need to divide it into four categories. So you got to take the list, and now you got to make four lists out of that list. Now, some of you told me you only wrote ten things. There's got to be more than ten things you're good that's good about you. The average person has about 25 things. I was making it easy on you. So you need to add to the list. Ask people. Ask other people to write the list for you. People that like you, obviously, would be good. But, <laughs> um, but get that list. And then you need to divide it into four areas. The first area is character issues. Like things like you are kind. Uh, maybe you're unselfish. Maybe you're giving. Uh, you know, things that describe character about you. Good qualities, like you're a good listener. You know, things like that. So those are all good things. So you want a list of your character. You're loyal. You're dependable. You know, things like that. Then you also, the second list is roles that you are in. Because just by default, just by the way life is, we all are slotted into roles, like being a mother, being a wife, you know, being a, uh, you know, a, even just being a friend. If you're a good friend, that would be a role. Um, whatever your roles are in life, write those down if, they're, if you're doing good in those things. Obviously, if you're a terrible mother, don't write that down as one of your qualities, but just kidding. But, uh, you know, whatever it is, your roles, okay? So that's important. But then the third list is things that you like to do, and you do a pretty good job of those things. So you might like to cook, you might like to sew, you might like to do woodworking, you might like to, you know, uh, work on cars, you might like to just, you know, kind of, we all have kind of hobbies or things that we kind of like to do, and they're things we like, and we enjoy doing them, and they're good. They're good things. But then the last list is things that you excel at, and do probably better than most people around you. And you are passionate about doing it. You love to do it. Okay, so that's important. Because out of all of those things, there's going to emerge a few things that have direct, directly to do with your, your, your calling and your purpose. So you need to kind of 
refine that list. Now, it might take time to do that. It might not happen overnight, but start it. Get the journal going. Start it and start doing things and adding to that list, those lists. Um, now, I'm going to tell you a quick story because, you know, I knew when I got saved that I had a calling on my life. I didn't know what it was. I just knew I, I, all I wanted to do was serve God. That was all I knew. In fact, I really feel I got called when I was probably nine or ten years old and I was sitting in a Catholic church by myself, um, and it was a big church, one of those big old cathedrals, you know, big, massive, and I was sitting there praying, and I remember praying a prayer. I'll never forget the moment, because um, I, I, it just stood out to me. I'm not sure what, well, obviously I know why, because God was calling me, but I, I sat there, and I prayed, and I said, God, and I remember this, the first time I ever said this, it was, God, when I grow up, I want to serve you, but I want to be married in the Catholic Church, <laughs> serving God, you know, that way meant usually you had to become a nun, or obviously for the men, a priest. So, but I remember saying those words, and I believe God had already written those words down in my book. I believe they were already written down. Now, I went on from there, wasn't serving God, did a lot of crazy things in my teenage years, but, there was a but that was a defining moment I had another defining moment where I left the church altogether and decided to become an atheist after that. That wasn't exactly in line with that prayer. Um, but circumstances had come up in my life that brought me to the conclusion that I didn't believe God existed. And so I went for a few years where I didn't believe God existed and refused to have anything to do with the church. But then when I was 18 years old, I got invited to a Bible study. And God's tricky. Um, the only reason I went was because I liked the guy that invited me. Had absolutely no interest. He had already tried to witness to me, and I'd shut him right down. Uh, but then he invited me to a Bible study, and I decided to go. And it was through going to that Bible study, within a few weeks, I continued to go, and I got saved. And that was a defining moment in my life. And I never looked back, because the Spirit of God came in me, and he began to do a work and changed me from the inside out. And... One of the things you need to write in your book is all the defining moments of your life, good and bad. And it's really important to know what they are. What are the things that you remember as far back as you can remember that happened to you that impacted or changed you in some way? Maybe changed the course of your life in some way or changed how you thought in some way. And it's important to know what those things are because many times your calling, which will always be unique and different from anyone else, will part, that will be a part of, of whatever it is you're called to do. And so, you know, whether they're good things or whether they're bad things, God turns all things you know, works all things for good to those that love him and are called according to his purpose. So he'll take all the bad things and the good things that defined you and that happened to you. You need to make a list of all the rewards that maybe you earned or the good positive moments of your life. And also some, you also with that list need to make, write down things that, um, you did that you were ashamed of and were very humiliated by. Now, no one has to ever see this list but you, and if you don't want to write certain things down, just put it in code or something. But um, just in case somebody sees it. But, uh, <laughs> but no, you just need to, you need to know, you know, what did I learn from my mistakes? What did I learn from that? How can I give this to God and let him make something great out of this? And I look at many people that have... 
uh, made a difference on the earth. And one person that, you know, there's many people that come to mind. One person is John Walsh, who his young son was kidnapped and murdered. Obviously, that was one of the most horrific things you could go through and definitely a defining time in his life. But he took that because, see, when things happen to us, we can become victims, and we are a victim, but we can stay a victim and crawl under a rock and, you know, feel sorry for ourselves the rest of our lives and be bitter and angry at the world and never come out. Or we can take what happened to us and beat the devil up with it by making a difference. And he did that because he, as we all know, hosted the TV show, A Miracle's Most Wanted, and him and his wife started a, a ministry or a, a, a movement on capturing criminals that have done horrific things, that have escaped or gotten away with it. And so that's so important because, you know, you look at another one, uh, Mothers, of, uh, Mothers Against Drunk Driving. That's another one. That was founded by Candace Leitner when her 13-year-old daughter was killed by a drunk driver. And she took that horrific event in her life and chose to start a movement that spread all over North America to fight against drunk driving. And, and so there's many people like it. There's other people that come to mind, you know, that did something horrible themselves. And I look at John Newton as an example, who was a horrible, horrible man that was a murderer and he was a rapist and he was a slave trader and he did horrible things and then he had an encounter with God that totally totally changed his life and he was a completely new person and he was so remorseful for the things that he had done to the point where he you know even went in seclusion for many years and just you know sought God but he was famous for one thing and God used his story to tell the world about how amazing his grace is. And he was the author of the song, Amazing Grace. A song that is known and sung all over the world. That spoke about the grace of God, and the mercy and forgiveness of God. And his testimony was a life, and that's what he gave to the world. God used him. He took the most wretched of people and showed how amazing his grace is for each and every one of us. So we need to know and write down all of these things. And then we need to write down the answer to three questions in our journal, <coughs> in our story. And the first question is, what really, really upsets you or makes you sad? What, what burdens you the most? What bothers you the most? What problem do you see out there that you wish you could change or make a difference? It's important to know because God puts different burdens on all of us, in all of us. The thing that upsets me the most, I was telling you a story and I think I forgot to finish it. Did I tell you the story yet? I think I did it in the first service. I'll tell this story, then I'll tell you what upsets me the most. Um, years ago, when I was married to my late husband, he was a musician and a singer. He was a drummer, and he played guitar, and he sang, and he was very, very gifted. So now you know where my children get their gifting from, and uh, the girls. And uh, 
But I didn't have the gift, nor did I have the desire. But he was called to music ministry. So I just figured, well, he's called to music ministry, so I'm just called to stay at home and pray. You know, I'll pray for him and support him. But then one day I went to a meeting, and I had a prophetic word over me. And that prophetic word said that I was called to be in the front and that I would be going across Canada, and many people would be with me and all this stuff. So then I thought, okay, I guess I'm called to be in music ministry with my husband. See, sometimes we try to figure it out with our own minds. And so I proceeded, literally I did this, for about a year and a half, I was taking singing lessons and guitar lessons, and I was trying to learn how to sing, and I was trying to learn how to play the guitar, and I hated every minute of it, I didn't have the gift, didn't even want to do it, but I was doing it because I thought I was supposed to. And I joined my husband's band back then, and I got kicked out because I wasn't (laughs) any good. And uh, so then I was really frustrated because I thought, then what am I supposed to do? I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And I remember one night, and again, this is one of those defining moments. I, was, I got before God and I said, God, what am I supposed to do? And then the Lord, my, I was praying and seeking God with all my heart. And I, my eyes fell on a scripture in Timothy about I've called you to teach. And as soon as I read those words, I knew that's what, it was, that's what I was called to do. And so, um, but my problem was, I was afraid to get up in front of people and speak. I had an absolute, absolute fear of that. But yet I knew God had spoken. And I knew he had put those words in my heart. And so, so anyway, I, I'm called to teach. That's a calling that I have. Now, God has even refined that more as my life has gone on. And all the things of that prophecy were fulfilled after I married Pastor Rick were, you know, I do go across Canada. We speak all over the nation. You know, there are many things God has fulfilled in that word. However, um, the thing that upsets me the most and bothers me the most in my life is when week after week, Pastor Rick and I will get up and teach and share the word of God and share the promises of God and the things that we can do. And some people walk away and never do anything with it. That grieves me a lot. Because I know what it can do for them. And I want to see everybody become who God had called them to be. That's what I want to see. But that's what grieves me. It'll be different for you. Because it grieves me because I'm doing a lot of work and sometimes it's not helping. (laughs) You know, nobody wants to work and do a lot, you know, work hard and not make a difference. Um, But I know there's many people here that do take it and it has changed your life and you do take it to heart. And so I want to be positive about that. If nobody did, I wouldn't be, I would have probably given up. But no, I just, you know, you know what I'm saying. So um, then the thing, the next question you have to ask yourself is what makes me the happiest? What brings me the greatest joy? Now, I said this in the first service. My grandchildren give me great joy. I'm not talking about things like that because obviously that's important. And I love my grandkids. And, um, but it's about what life accomplishment, you know, of what I do that brings me the most joy or what I see, what I see could be in the world. What I see could be in the world. And again, you know, somebody that I know, uh, his mother died of, of uh, a brain tumor. And as a result, he was a young boy when his mother died of a brain tumor. And he's going to medical school. To, because what grieves him the most is people that die from things because medicine hasn't figured out how to help them. And so there's going to be different things for different people depending on what your life's experiences are and what burdens God has put in your heart. 
So what makes you the happiest? What gives you the greatest joy? To me, the greatest joy is when I see people hear the word, take the word into their lives and use it, and it changes their life. I love that. That gives me great joy. I love hearing testimonies and stories of what God has done. And uh, that gives me the greatest joy. And then the last thing is, what do you dream about? If you could do anything, regardless of money or, you know, obstacles, what do you dream about? If you could do something, but it seems like it's too much or too big for you, but you've heard, again, go to God. Get, get, a, get a download from God. Make sure it's of God. But what would you dream about? You know, sometimes we ourselves cannot, may not be the leader of something, but we can get alongside somebody that is called to be the leader and make a difference in an area that will impact and change people. And that's so important. But we need to, these are all things we need to write in our book. And as we're praying and fasting, we need to seek God and keep writing and writing as God shows us things, as things happen in our lives. And reread that journal over and over again and gradually as you go through life. Just as I learned I was called to teach, it wasn't until... I'm out of time, huh? Okay, I'm going to call the drama up right now. Just as uh, I was called to teach, it wasn't until I had the experience with the cross that I write about in my book, The Cross. That was another defining moment where it gave me even something more specific. God wanted me to zero in on my gift of teaching. And so God gave me a message that I believe I can teach better than most. And I'm not saying that to brag about me. It's him, and it was the gift he gave me. And so, but we have to look at our gifts and look at one another and see what we can see in one another and begin to encourage people in the gift they have. And whenever anybody encourages you about something you can do or you did well, write it in your book. Write it in your book. And then we're going to have the drama. Do a little skit, and then we'll close. That's it. I'm going to initiate a conversation. A conversation about what? About a problem we're having. Okay, I'll play along. Uh, let's say we are having a problem. Yeah. Do you have a solution? Nope. Okay, so how are you going to initiate a conversation about a problem when you don't even have the answers? Do I need to have all of the answers? I mean, there's at least four of us, and two heads are better than one. Well, if you ask me, anything with two heads is a monster. Huh? Look, somebody has to get the ball rolling. And that someone's going to be you? Why not me? Okay. What? Well, Sarah, you're really not the best when it comes to communicating ideas or problems, much less solutions to problems. Oh. I don't mean it as a dig. I'm just saying that often you kind of get lost in your own little head there and uh, you kind of get sidetracked, you miss your point entirely, and then everybody is sort of confused. It's really bad. <laughs> Honestly, communicating effectively, not what you're good at. Oh. Yeah. Hey, why don't you initiate the conversation? I can't. Why? Because I don't even know what the problem is. <sighs> right. Right. So, I guess I do nothing? I guess you do nothing. 
Hey, what? <laughs> hey, can you come up here for a minute? Ah, uh, okay. And bring Des with you. Ah, uh, okay. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Should be interesting. Hey, what, what's going on? Hey, what's, what's up? Guys, we're, we're stuck. We are? Uh, I'm not stuck. What are we stuck in, Sarah? Yeah, Sarah, tell them what they're stuck in. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, we're just not doing anything. Uh, we were just watching a game. Yeah, we were watching a game. Definitely doing something. Pretty entertaining, It too. actually is really you entertaining. Know, we should get back we to it. We should probably get yeah. back to wait, it. Wait, wait. What is it, Sarah? What's, what's going on? Yeah, Sarah, what is it? Do you even know? Do you know? Do you know? Do you know, Sarah? Do you know what you want to say, Sarah? Well, I just feel, I just feel like we could be doing so much more with our lives. Okay. Go on. That's it. That's all I wanted to say. That's it? You call these guys all the way up here just to say that? I guess. Wow, you're a peach. Hey guys, what's the score? Let's go check out the game. Uh, wait a minute. Sarah, I think what you're trying to say is that we've become complacent. That we're, we're no longer moving forward. Essentially, we're stuck. Hmm. You know, we could be more effective, really, in our walk with Christ. You know, we need to allow Christ's love to control us and take on the task of reconciling others to him. That's it. That's exactly it. Oh, why didn't you say that in the beginning? I tried. She did. Oh. Wait. What? You got all of that out of we're stuck? Well, look. <laughs> My friend Desmond, he's a very good listener. It's one of his best qualities. Well, thank you very much, Bradley. Well, you're welcome, Desmond. <laughs> so how do we become more effective in our walk? Well, I, I guess we could all start with what we're really good at and, and go from there. Well, we all know I'm not good at communicating. Oh, but mm -hmm. you have deep convictions, Sarah, and you're very sincere. And you know what? You're great at getting people to come together. I am, aren't I? You are. <laughs> and Bradley, you're, you're great at encouraging others. Why, thank you, Desmond. You know what? I am, and I really enjoy it. I yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, wonder what the score is. Yeah. Uh, so come on, guys. What am I good at? What am I really good at? Uh, so okay, okay, Kim. What? Kim is good at. So many uh, yeah, let's, uh, yeah. Well, think about it for a minute. Of, uh, yeah. uh, Des, you, you, you got something? You got? Oh, um, you, you're, you're good. You're a good agitator. Oh. <laughs> you know what? You are good at stirring the pot. I mean. Yeah. We all need a good pot stirrer from yeah. time to time in we, our lifetime, we right? Do. We, we do. do. Yes, okay. we do. We so do. <laughs> Somebody should be writing this down. Oh, I'll idea. write it down because I have the best penmanship. Excuse oh. me. Oh, yeah. And oh. we could probably start maybe dividing it into a couple of categories, maybe okay. four. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Character okay. issues. Character yeah. issues. Wow. She said something nice. About herself. I yeah. Character yeah. issues. Good job. We're going to wind down and we're going to have communion now. So we're going to ask everybody to stand. But next week, we're going to tell you where to go from there. And how many know there's steps we need to take 
with our journal and there's things we need to do and we need to know what what to do when you know obstacles come what to, you know just how to take it from there what steps where do we begin and obviously you saw one way to begin as they uh got together and just began to talk about it. And you need to get together with other people and you need to talk with them because this isn't a journey you do alone. We're all on a journey, but that journey is connected with one another. And as you connect with other people and talk about these things, yours, your journey will become more clear. And so we're going to be giving you more steps on how to do that next week. Amen? I just want to encourage you to put it down in your uh, journal, uh, to have your cell phone. I have my cell phone. I put notes in. I have my iPad with me when I'm here at church and I write things down, always have something available that you can write these things down because I don't know if, if, if it's just me, but I forget things if I don't write them down. Maybe it's because I'm a, a few years older than a few of you that are in here today. You're By still way, young. It's our, You're still young. It's our little Louise's birthday over here today. Oh, so happy we want to just... Oh, she, oh, she went to the washroom. A special girl. Just a special girl over here. Amen. Okay, uh, remember she said write down at least 25 things. How many remember hearing that? How many wrote it down? Okay, you're going to have 10 then because you didn't write it down, okay? <laughs> Kathy's beautiful. She's talented. She's gifted. She's fair. She's just, creative, industrious, passionate, visionary. We're incredible cook, incredible compassion, love, forgiveness, loves to laugh, hardworking, free-spirited, faithful, full of faith, adventuresome, very uh, prayer, prayerful, dedicated to her family, dedicated to the Word of God, skillful, full of the favor of God and a teacher of truth in the Word of God. So right there is just 28. Try to do that for your spouse. Try to do that one for another. Ask other people. I want to just commend Candy, uh, Candy Rivard. Uh, she went to her coworkers. She did the assignment probably much, much better than I have done and even Kathy has done. And I commend it. And that just really just fueled what we're doing here because people are getting a hold of it because it's going to help you in the journey. And everybody said, amen. amen. Go ahead, Kat. Well, Father, we just thank you that you have written a story, our story. Every one of us has a story. Every one of us is here with a purpose. And Lord, that you desire us to fulfill what you put us here for. And that we are connected to one another. And we're all connected to the head, the Lord Jesus Christ. And his purpose, his story is part of our story, Lord. But he came and sacrificed, laid down his life. That was his purpose, to come and die on a cross and rise again from the dead and conquer death, hell, and the grave for us so that we could walk in the story that you've destined us for. So, Father, I just pray right now as we take uh, this bread, Lord, that we thank you and that we examine our hearts and make sure that we are aligning our lives with your purpose for us. And so, Father, we thank you for the body of Jesus Christ that was shed for us mm -hmm. so that we could become who you've called us to be and that we are the light bearers and the salt of the earth. In Jesus' name, amen. And Father, we believe that the seeing is the prelude to becoming of everything God has for us. He wants us to have a picture of who we are in Christ because that's his story of who we are now as his offspring, as his children in the earth today. And if there's anything that the world's waiting for, Listen, listen, they're waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God today. The men and women that will pick up their identity, the men and women that will pick up their cross and fulfill and do the great exploits that God has put upon our hearts to do in these last days. So, Father, we recognize that as we started the year off, or we went right at the end of the year, that we need to get rid of the baggage. We need to get all the baggage off. 
So we thank you that everything of the residue of the old is removed from our life. And then we put on the new man, which is created after God in true righteousness and holiness. And so, Father God, because of that new man, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. We can do the mountain-moving things that the Word of God has to say through our faith. And we thank you that our faith is activated. We thank you our faith is living. We thank you that our faith is not dry or boring, but our faith is a living element inside of our life to cause us to fulfill the destiny of the things you started in us. In Jesus' name, let's partake of the cup. I want to encourage you as a pastor, as your pastor, to really take to heart the things that we're sharing right now. What is it that you cry about? What is it that makes you happy? What is it that drives you, the passion on the inside? Because these are the questions that Nehemiah asked, and Nehemiah got the answers, and he went on. In chapter 6, it speaks about they fulfilled the dream. They fulfilled the desire of the restored walls. So there's parts that you and I have to play on the inside. So as Kathy shared earlier, everybody look at your neighbor and say, be not just a hearer of the word, but go and do it. Because in doing it, you'll reap the fruits of it. God bless you.